Good. Welcome. Lovely to see you. Lovely to see you if you're watching online. And um, I just need to give you a couple of extra little things to say. If you're a man and you're an adult, you're over 18, because it's really risque, we're going to have a men's breakfast next Saturday. Every um, second Saturday of the month, from now on, men's breakfast is relaunching. Nine o'clock, full English breakfast, um, and men. So, uh, what's not to like? And um, <laughs> Also, just to say as well, particularly for those people who knew Simon Lesseter, who was a regular at this service, his memorial service is going to be on Tuesday the 13th. That's on Tuesday week at 2 o'clock. And if you'd like to come and support um, his friends and family, and, uh, if, or just to kind of just pay respects, Simon had a, a, a very challenging life and uh, saw God do all kinds of good things in his life. And it was, a, a, you know, lots of ups and downs. But we want to, um, yeah, just really honour his memory and commit him to God as well. Okay, so if you don't know me, um, David, and uh, leading this church really since 1995 when we opened this building here, and um, it's been great over that that whole journey to see so many lives transformed. But we're really wanting to see more of that. Next Sunday is our Vision Sunday, and it's a chance for us at the start of a new session to come and think, God, what what are you doing with us? What have you finished with us? Are you calling us to more? And one thing that's happening around the church family is we're having an external review. We've got some amazing people, about 10 people from around the nation. Over the next few months, we'll be looking at our, our practices, our congregations, asking us lots of questions, trying to help us see if we're primed for mission and, and outreach. And also, if we've got any blind spots, if we, you know, so do be praying for that initiative. And, um, and, and Mick Woodhead is our lead reviewer, is going to be our, our staff time on Monday week and so it's an exciting time and an energizing time and a time to invest in church family. And I, I'm saying that really because our series this month is called Expectant. We're expectant for things that God is going to do in our lives. We believe that our nation and our city need God and that we are a vehicle for God's blessing. Actually, he's called and raised up this church, this family of churches, to be significant for his purpose in the city. And we'd love you to be part of that. So... Please come along to share in that vision next week and as we explore vision a little bit in this month. But we're particularly pitching this um, evening's talk about prayer because we've just finished the series looking at the Lord's Prayer and we weren't really talking about prayer as much as the content of the Lord's Prayer as a basis for Christian living. Things like our dependency on God, asking him for um, our daily bread, asking for his kingdom to come looking at forgiveness and temptation and all that kind of stuff that we really need to have key to our Christian thinking. But we, you know, of course, prayer is what it's all about as well. So we're going to think about prayer to, to re- reflect on that series. But as we're going into a prayer week on Sunday, Sunday week, um, we particularly want to prime the pump for prayer because you know, for many people, prayer is grunt work. Prayer is hard. Prayer is something they don't feel confident about. And I stand before you as somebody who thinks about prayer, but often my theory is better than my practice. I wonder if any of you identify with that. You know, you could say you could give a good talk about prayer, but your prayer life, you know, how much time do you give to prayer? You know, what, does, what do you feel God doing in your prayer? So this is stuff on prayer. I'm going to be interviewing Laura a little bit later on in the talk as well. But there are a couple of Bible passages that are reference points here. 
The first one is in Luke 18. Just the first few verses. It's the parable of the persistent widow. So maybe we'll just read that together, if that could come up on the screen. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he told himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see if she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? When I was young, I read an awful lot of C.S. Lewis, a lot of his theology. I remember as 12 reading the Screwtape Letters and it was a kind of a pivotal moment actually reading that book and um, as I've gone back and reprised some of my C.S. Lewis reading I, I realised that some of the really good ideas I thought I had were really his ideas and they kind of got into me by osmosis. But um, one thing C.S. Lewis says in his book on prayer which is called Prayer Letters to, to Malcolm is that we have an issue about prayer because if God always answered our prayers that would be fine. If God never answered our prayers that would be fine. We'd know where we stood. But the fact that God sometimes answers our prayers gives us a problem. Because we wonder, why God did you answer that prayer? Why did you not answer that? What can we expect in terms of answered prayer? Has that ever been a problem for you? Aren't there some prayers that you think, God, it's obvious you should answer that prayer. Because that must be what your will is. And other prayers which you just threw up as a little, well, you know, maybe, maybe not. That gets answered straight away. There is a mystery about prayer and about answered prayer. And I will not be able to give you the answers to that mystery tonight. But I want to give you some pointers about what to expect. And I just want to ask you a few questions as we go along. For, for, for people, when you pray, how much of your prayer is your prayer life? Asking, maybe put your hands up. Is it's kind of intercession. What I mean by intercession is when we ask God for things. Put your hands up at that. If you kind of pray a lot for people or for situations for what you need. You know, that's a really important part of prayer. Prayer and asking are almost the same word in the English language. They, they come from the, it's, it's, the root of prayer is, is to ask, actually. Um, a big part of what we do in prayer, and we're told to do that, is to ask God, bring our prayers and requests to God. But there's another element of prayer which is even more significant than petition. And that is, proximity. It's about presence. It's about being in the presence of God. And I think a starting point for prayer that is the bedrock for our intercession is being in the presence of God. And I want to just just tell you a little bit why that is really important. It's important for these reasons. First of all, because God is love And he's looking for a love relationship with us more than a kind of sugar daddy in the sky relationship. Do you know what I'm saying? 
It's kind of saying, guys, do you remember the story of Job where Satan said to God in that story, well, Job's only your friend because you bless him and look after him. And God says, no, I trust Job. I think he loves me more than that. But the question is, do we love God more than that? Do we love God for what he can do for us? Do we seek his face or do we seek his hand is a, is a way of looking at it. And my feeling is, and I said this earlier on today, is that if we love someone, our biggest desire is to be in their presence. We don't want their gifts. We want them. We want to be in their presence. I'll just tell the story this morning about when I was, um, before I was married and uh, going out with my wife, Tina, and uh, she was at York University. I was at Bristol University. I was living in Bristol. She was on her way to York from Taunton. And I remember just getting on my bike, going down the hill to Temple Meads in order to catch two minutes of her in her train carriage as the train pulled into Temple Meads before she went off to York because I wanted to be in her presence. Now, honestly, when people fall in love, they want to be in the presence of the beloved. And the question that can be there for us is, do we love God? Are we seeking his presence because we love him? And he knows the answer already, actually. You know, that, that, that hard verse in, in Revelation, when, when the risen Jesus is speaking to the churches, he says to Ephesus, you know, you're a great church, you've worked really hard, you're, you're sound in doctrine, you've tested people, but I have this against you, you've forsaken your first love. And the quality of, the, of our prayer life, the quality of our love life for God, really belongs together. But the, the point, of, again, about being in a place of, with the beloved is that we can listen before we speak. Famous quote from Mother Teresa. And when asked about her prayer life um, by Dan Rather, who is a CBS anchor. And he once asked her what she said during her prayers. And she said, I listen. So Dan turned the question around and asked, well, what does God say? And Mother Teresa said, he listens. <laughs> and then, for instance, he didn't know what to say. And she said, if you don't understand that, I can't explain it to you. But it's the mystery of being in the presence of God. Prayer is more than petition. Prayer is about being in the presence. The psalmist, Psalm 131 says, I have stilled and quietened my soul like a weaned child within me. Have I come to God, stilled and quiet myself, to be in his presence? And my, um, the challenge on my life is I am hopelessly distracted by life. Do you find that? Who prays with a smartphone out? I do. I'm afraid. I often have my devotions and next to is my smartphone. It's a distraction. I've got to put that in a different room. Who prays? And, you know, well, I'll pray when I've got time. There's a lot of urgent things need to be done right now. I mean, I, again, that, that can be my temptation in life. And, you know, there's a difference between the urgent and the vital, isn't it? Urgent things demand our attention. There are notifications on our phone. There are people knocking at the door. There are deadlines to meet. But God will not give us a notification. It's time to pray. Prayer is vital, but it's not urgent. He will not demand it of you. You have to seek him.
but it is vital. And the challenge for us is if we only pray when things are urgent, then we will have a weak and inadequate prayer life. And when are things urgent and you pray? You can tell me if you want. It's when when you're in trouble, right? When you're in trouble, you pray. Put your hand up if you agree with me. I see your hands and I love it. (laughs) Um, Honestly, it's okay to pray when you're in trouble. The Bible tells it. Is anyone in trouble? Let them pray, it says in James. But if you only pray when you're in trouble, it'll be really hard for you to discern pathways that are spiritual and where you can really get those answers to prayer that, that you really need when you're in trouble. So let's make the space to pray before we're in trouble, as well as when we're in trouble. Now, the great thing about praying and being silent is that God will show us things. And here's the key to answered prayer. You are more likely to get answered prayer when you bless what God is doing rather than when you ask him to bless what you're doing. Most of our prayer life is, God, will you bless what I'm doing? I'd like to, I'm, I'm going to go for this job. God, will you bless me when I do it? I'm about to start this romance. God, will you bless that romance? You know, whatever it is. Um, big things, little things. But how would it be if we responded the other way around and we said, God, show me what you want me to do. Show me who you're leading me to. Or whatever it is, you know. And I think that is the way that Jesus prayed. I mean, Jesus had an amazing prayer life. But he also said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only speak the words the Father gives me. And I kind of infer from that that Jesus' prayer life was about trying to discern what the Father was doing rather than asking the Father to bless what Jesus was doing. I just think it wasn't that way around. And here's some evidence. Evidence number one. When Jesus is in Capernaum and he's leading revival there and goes off to pray and good stuff is happening and it's a bit urgent and the disciples come looking for him because he's gone off early in the morning to pray and they say, Everyone's looking for you. Come on, let's get back and get on with the ministry. Jesus said, no, I need to leave this place. He's been with the Father, and the Father has sent him somewhere else because he's doing what he sees the Father doing. Did Jesus ever have unanswered prayer? There was just one time in the garden when Jesus said, take this cup away from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. In other words... This is what I'd like you to bless. But actually, I want to put my will into what you're doing. And I'm willing to walk that way. So I'm just going to ask Laura just to come and share a few little thoughts. There's a mic up there, Laura. Because I know that, that for Laura, you've, you've tried to, to follow this pathway of, of doing what you see the Father doing. How does that relate to prayer and what does it look like in practice? Yeah, so I think for me, it's been a, really a journey. And I guess probably all of us would relate to the fact with prayer that there's certain seasons where sometimes we can just feel like God's presence is really tangible and near and it can be really easy to kind of discern what he's saying and other times it can feel a bit more muddied and cloudy and I think what I've really learned as I've particularly recently I would say that my prayer life recently has been more about as I'm out and about in my daily life just sort of pushing into God and being like God you know just almost getting this sense of God's heart and when I say that it's not like I see like a big sign and with you know instructions on because that would be 
I'd love that. That would be really helpful. But it's more a sense to which God shows me people and, and actually it's like, Lord, you need to talk to that person. I want you to pray for them. And recently I had uh, someone around my house and I just felt God really give me a heart for her. And we got chatting and, and, I, and she wasn't a Christian. And I just said, can I pray with you? And she was really open and receptive. And I think where I've seen most fruit from prayer has been just really... Um, Asking God to show me and lead me to those people. It's not been about kind of clever things that I've done, but I think there's something about us surrendering to God and saying, God, I want to be used by you in whatever way, wherever that is, where do I find myself, um, whether I'm at work or on the school run, whatever that looks like, and just being available to God in that. Great, Laura. So how do you, how do you get on with unanswered prayer? What about when, when you really feel like, oh, God, this, you should really be answering this. How, how does that affect your relationship with God and your own sense of faith and identity? I think unanswered prayer is really difficult. And actually, one of the things we do in the wholeness course, which is this autumn term, is we do a whole evening on dealing with disappointment. Because I think actually probably a lot of us carry a sense of disappointment, often through prayers that we've really prayed earnestly and that have been unanswered. So I'm not going to try and give like a really glib one-minute answer. Um, but I will just say, I guess, what that looks like in my life has been a real sense that... I trust God, and I've, you know, I've prayed with people just before they've died, I've been to visit people, I've really earnestly prayed, and I've been really, you know, really distraught and upset when those prayers haven't seemed to be answered, but what I will say is I have really met with God in those times and known his presence, maybe in a way that I haven't before, and can really, just this, yeah, this inner trust that actually, God, you are here, you are at work, and I may not understand why you've not answered this prayer, and I may not know what you're doing but actually I still choose to trust you that you're good and I've seen your faithfulness throughout my life and I choose to believe that you're still going to be faithful so I think actually our history with God what we've built before really helps us to stand on our faith in times when it is difficult and it is really hard okay so are you saying um Laura that the presence of God is more important than the answer of prayer to you yeah yeah, I definitely think for me that has been really significant in my life. And I think times when I don't know God's presence, I, you know, I do a lot of wrestling with God. I'm not saying that I really feel his presence all the time, but I really hunger and thirst to be in his presence. And I think that's what drives me to prayer and to push in and to say, actually, almost this sense of being dissatisfied. Actually, God, this isn't enough. This isn't it. I want more and I want more of you and I want to see more of your kingdom in the lives of the people that I find myself around. And I think that's what really drives me to pray and to want to seek God for those people as well as for myself. Okay, let's just pick up on that phrase, wrestling with God. We, we use that phrase, wrestling with God, a little bit around prayer. In Colossians 4, Paul talks about someone called Epaphras. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, is always wrestling with you in prayer that you might stand. So what does it mean to wrestle with prayer? We, we've, we've got a story in the book of Genesis of where Jacob wrestles with an angel of God and says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And that's a little bit of the idea. And the, the parable that we just heard in Luke's gospel also talks about this kind of widow who will not let the judge off the hook. You know, and Jesus says, always pray and never give up. That feels a little bit like wrestling with God. What does wrestling with God look like in your life? And, and what difference does it make in terms of your prayer results, if you like? Anil? Yeah, I guess the, bit, the verse that kind of springs to mind is at the end of Psalm 139. It says for us to, you know, to let God test us and know our hearts and know our anxious thoughts. And often I will come before God and I'll know that I'm grappling with stuff. And it's almost like I'll come to him and be like, I'm not really talking to you, God, actually, I'm a bit annoyed. I don't really want to spend time with you today, but I also don't want to run away from you. And I think there's the kind of grappling there between when we're disappointed, when we're hurt, when we've had unanswered prayer, we don't always want to go to God, do we? We're kind of, we're, we're really angry or upset or 
you know, really questioning our faith. So I think there's something about bringing that to God and not just trying to hide or turn away, saying, God, I don't understand this. I don't get it, but I'm choosing to bring all of this to you. I want you to just to know my heart and I want you to, to show me what you're doing, but also to move me on from this place. And I think that's, I guess that's what I've seen God do in my life, that actually I haven't understood everything he's done, but I think I have brought it to him. And that's, I think he can redeem that. I think he can work with that. And that's how I think, for me, prayer has been kind of worked out as this real journey. Okay, so my last question for you, Laura. Sometimes we can feel, I think, that we look at other people who are prayers, we feel like the bar is really high. You know, our church has had Rob Scott Cook in our midst who feels called to a life of prayer. He's got this extraordinary prayer stories about like praying every day for his brother and 20 years later his brother came into faith or praying for Woodland's building for nine months and God's saying go back to the estate agents and it comes on the market and we buy it for half the price you know and and we've got people like you Laura who kind of seem to kind of hear from God and you know and, and maybe have a bit of a hotline to heaven can you just tell us what's your biggest frustration with your own prayer life and your biggest sense of this is where I feel I need help and need to grow I think it's probably similar to what you shared earlier on. I think it's really easy to get distracted and kind of, I think, seeking the quiet place. What I do try to do now is sometimes just come to God in quiet without an agenda and without a sense of, like, I've got all these things. And I think often when I've done that, and I'm not saying I'm really good at that, that's definitely something I'm trying to, you know, grow in. I think often just being with God has been more transformative than me kind of, you know... Even tonight in worship, I think worship's a great example of that. Being in worship, being in community, just being in God's presence, actually that is what changes us, isn't it? Thank you. Thank you. Well done. Little round of applause for Laura. There's something about uh, melody in silence and worshipping God. Um, I've got a quote from, from, the, from C.S. Lewis from the Screwtape Letters, which I'm going to read to you. And in the Screwtape Letters, which is a book that was written in the 1940s by C.S. Lewis, and it's a kind of, quite a, a witty sort of story where it's kind of like an inversion of what we'd normally talk about. It's a senior devil writing to a junior devil to give him good advice about how to tempt someone who's coming to faith in God. And in, it's a vehicle for C.S. Lewis to give some great teaching. But of course, the language is all inverted. God is the enemy, and the devil is our father below. Um, but Screwtape, who's writing to his young nephew, is extolling the benefits of noise. He's saying the world, um, well, he's saying that basically he hates music and he hates silence because both of those things can speak to our soul and our longings. Now, it's really interesting. We find prayer meetings at Woodlands quite badly attended. Why do we find them badly attended if they're really significant? Because honestly, prayer is hard work and it's contested. There's something about the story that I just read. There's something contested about the widow's prayer to the judge. And in Ephesians 6, which is our other passage, it talks about what do you do in a day of evil. He's, Paul writes, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in heavenly places. So when a, when, a, when a day of evil comes, we should stand. And when we've done everything else, we should stand. And we should pray in the Spirit on, in all kind of ways. In all manner of ways. And so prayer happens... And there's evil that's being confronted when we pray. 
To pray actually is to enter into spiritual warfare because there is a kingdom that's against the kingdom of God and we're praying, Lord, your kingdom come. And there can be a tiredness and inertia. Do you remember in the garden when Jesus said to his followers, watch and pray, will you watch and pray with me for one hour? And they couldn't do it. They fell asleep. They said they were worn out with sorrow. But maybe there was a spiritual heaviness descended upon them. And, and I don't know if you've ever experienced that when you've tried to pray. You felt there's a resistance maybe within you or outside of you. And that may well be because you are entering into a struggle that's more significant than you really know. So I want to encourage you to be people that learn how to pray. Listen to God and go for the grunt work. But sometimes prayer is easier when we worship because worship is about presence as well as silence being about presence. So here's the quote from Screwtape. Music and silence, how I detest them both. How thankful we should be that ever since our father entered hell, though longer ago than humans reckoning in light years could express, no square inch of infernal space and no moment of infernal time has been surrendered to either of those abominable forces. But all has been occupied by noise, noise, the grand dynamism, the audible expression of all that is exultant, ruthless and virile. Noise, which alone defends us from silly qualms despairing scruples and impossible desires. We will make the whole universe a noise in the end. We've already made great strides in this direction as regards earth. The melodies and silences of heaven will be shouted down in the end. But I admit we are not yet loud enough or anything like it. I want to encourage you to make time to be still and to make time to worship. If we're going to be people of prayer, Every now and then you meet somebody who's really learned some of these lessons in the hard times. So I've probably said this to you before, but when I was much younger, um, Tina and myself had a guy to stay with us who was a prayer warrior. And he'd come from Ghana, where Ghana had had a famine, and he was in trouble. He had to pray every day for his family. And his habit was to get up at five o'clock and pray. He'd been used to praying to get a meal in every day for his family. So when he came to the UK, he wanted to pray. And um, he had some eyes, he said, it's difficult for me to pray because my eyes are sore. I sometimes weep when I pray. And we had this guy to live with us, and he prayed regularly. Now, back in those days, our transport was a motorbike, and um, I, I was out with Tina, and um, we, we kind of, on our way home, I pulled out of a side road onto the main A38, and Tina could see a car coming around the corner, which I had omitted to notice. And I smacked into it, and we slid down the road, and the woman who was driving it thought she'd killed us. And we got up and we, we walked away from that accident. And when we got home, we discovered that Rob had been praying. Rob Eshen, he was called. He'd been praying for our physical safety that afternoon. Because God had prompted him to pray for us. He was a watcher and prayer. Someone who listened to God in the secret place. And were able to kind of pray those kind of prayers. So this is, this is not an overnight journey is it this is something to learn and I'm going to ask you will you this week commit yourself to some things maybe commit yourself during prayer week to taking an hour in our prayer room to watch and pray book in online give yourself some time it's open in the small hours of the morning it could be a great time to pray on Wednesday of that week we're having our evening of prayer worship and prophecy it's going to be streamed for the new wine national network, but we're having it here and our worship team are hosting it. We've got Mark Aldridge from 
National New One with us, but we'll be doing that ourselves. Why not come and join us and have an evening of prayer and worship where the melodies of heaven can help us listen to the voice of God and share those with other people? Why not try, recognize that it's going to be hard and see if you can build up a little bit so that you're ready when the day of evil comes? It's prayer's a bit like taking exercise. If there's an emergency and I have to run for my life, if I've been running a little bit day by day, I may be able to go further and faster than um, if I've never done that. But I just want to finally say that prayer is the way that God releases the miraculous in our lives. And when we pray, there is a bridgehead for heaven. And you may feel that you are very powerless in a world that's full of big forces that you are not in control of. And if you feel like that, you're right. And that's not a bad place to be. If we feel that we're in control, if we feel like we don't need God, if we feel like we can manage our lives, we will not be people of prayer. But if we are aware that unless God builds a house, we labor in vain. Unless God's at work, we labor in vain. Then we're in the right place. And we're in a place where God will use us to release the miraculous into situations. It might be through the dynamic of prayer ministry. And one of the things that we love to do in this church is to lay hands on people and pray for people to experience the blessing of God. And in a few moments, we'll be just doing that tonight. There'll be an opportunity just to come and find some of us over on my right, on your left. And we'll be praying. If you have a need tonight, that you need an answered prayer tonight. You need God to bless you tonight. We would love to do that. But you can also pray for situations right outside of your control. Like Rob praying for me and Tina, not knowing what the issue was. It's not unusual for people to be woken up in the night with an urge to pray and find that that was significant. I told the story this morning about Rob Scott Cook who prays for world leaders. And I remember, um, because we were working together at the time, and he just said, I really felt a prayer burn to pray for Robert Maxwell this week and cut out his photo from and put it up and put it in his prayer place and prayed. That week, Robert Maxwell took his whole, whole life. He was a newspaper magnate. You, you know the, the, the Maxwell family. Why did God put that on Rob's heart? Because Rob was listening. Did that change anything? I don't know. But what I do know is that in the big challenges and struggles of our life, God is calling for people who will watch and pray. Jesus invited his followers, watch and pray. Will you not watch and pray with me one hour? That's an ongoing invitation from Jesus to us. Can we be a people who watch and pray, and as we pray, become more tuned in and more expectant of what God can do through ordinary people like us and see his blessing come into our world? Can I pray? And then I'll hand back to Matt, to our worship team. I'll just get you to come a minute, Chris, first of all. I'm going to pray for you. This is Chris Harvey. Chris um, used to work in Bristol. He's an engineer by background. He also was in the Territorial Army. And he um, just had a heart for mission. And he went off to Uganda, and he's gone there permanently. He's been living in northern Uganda for four years, and he's married to Mandy. Um, and he's back in Bristol because they're expecting their second child. So they're going to be with us till December. And... Um, Probably in in Uganda, you get to pray a lot. I I get updates from Chris and 
He's always traveling, and it's going to be dodgy. Are we going to get there? <laughs> the roads are bad. There's sickness, um, you know, there's food hardship, food crisis. Just tell me just a couple of things. What, what's it been like for you learning to pray in a very different culture, Chris? Yeah, I think, um, you know, being a missionary doesn't make you special in any way, but um, it does force you into a new situation and long gone are the days when we are, we have the means within ourselves to get us through the situations we face uh, in a day. And so it does force us to, you know, you, we take for granted just, you know, the car's going to work and get you to where you want it to go. Um, yeah, so a lot of situations when we don't have what we need in ourselves and it forces us to rely on not only God but other people that God uses because God uses people. Um, uh, and I can, ju- I can just stand here and testify that we have never lacked what we need. Um, we've, we've often not had it in ourselves. Every time I've gone out to Uganda, when first when I was a single guy, second when uh, Mandy and I went out together married, and then the third time when we went out with a baby, every time the budget kind of increased, we, we, I never went out there with a kind of budget met with the support I was receiving. But it, God always got us there. Um, and God has always answered the prayers and has always provided uh, one way or another. And he always surprises us. Um, but I think I love what Laura said, uh, just about trusting God. When the answers don't come, it, it, it's, it's a relationship with a, a child and a father. And do, do you know God as a father? Do you trust him? You know, and I know um, I've had the privilege of being a father for a couple of years now. And, you know, the thought of harming Hannah in any way is just unthinkable. I would always, always, always do what is best for her if it's within my power. And guess what? There's nothing that's outside of God's power. And just, just trusting him as a father, that even if it's not what we want, there's plenty of times I say no to Hannah. <laughs> but it's always because it's, I'm doing it for her good. And, and so when prayers aren't answered, it just comes back to that trust. You trust God as, as your father. Um, yeah, so I don't know if that answered the question. I kind of, maybe we're on a tangent. I'm going to pray for you. But going back to Luke 18, when we'll... Will God find faith on earth? What's being formed in our prayer life, in our watching, our waiting, our response to things not being answered the way we expected at the time? We want to thank you for Chris, Lord God. We pray for him and Mandy as they come back to Bristol for this extended period. And we pray that you bless them and watch over them as they welcome a new little baby into the world. We pray, Father God, you continue to provide for their needs and for their ministry with YWAM back in Uganda. And we want to pray for this church Lord God that we're part of we pray God that you would stir us up to be people of prayer people who love you people who trust you people who listen to you people who say yes to your will people who say not my will but yours be done people who can discern what the spirit is doing and see the miraculous breaking into our lives thank you God we can trust you because you're good all the time you're father and just tonight Lord God if there are needs for answered prayer in this room even now, Lord, as we're waiting and watching and going back into worship, will you stretch out your hand and put your spirit on the men and women in this room? In Jesus' name, amen.